Hello everybody, Bradley here, and welcome to this special kind of bonus episode of Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton, where today, for the first time ever in the Bridgerton feed, I have brought a guest host on board to help me wade through the murky waters of Bridgerton, and you know, you know how badly I desperately need a co-host on this podcast, so we're hanging out, we're talking about the first four episodes of season two today, we're talking about what worked for us, what didn't work for us, how's the love story going, where are we at with Anthony and Kate and everyone, and so this is like a mid-season check-in just to kind of see how we're feeling to talk about the first four episodes this episode does contain adult content as always so if you don't like it's not worse than Bridgerton so if the first four episodes of Bridgerton were, were good for you to watch this will be good for you to listen to and this podcast does not contain any spoilers past episode four it really is a first half of the season check-in so if you are watching along with the podcast do not worry you will not be spoiled past episode four otherwise I just want to take an opportunity at the top to thank Mia for kind of doing this I know it's always I know the guest hosts don't always feel this way, but to me, it always feels like I'm burdening people by asking them to be on my silly, silly podcast. So I appreciate that Mia took an hour and a half out of her day today to talk about a, a silly, silly show as well. So that was very kind and I appreciate it. You'll find Mia in the Facebook group on the Patreon, just kind of hanging out. Uh, so feel free to, if you have uh, nice things to say about Mia's performance on the podcast, make sure to, to let her know she's around in all the Let's Dive Deep uh, kind of social pages. Otherwise, check the show show notes for everything there's the patreon there if you want early access to all the episodes there's the facebook group if you want to kind of just hang out with us all in a cool kind of pop culture facebook group where we talk about not just bridgerton but all of the other pop culture things that we like to watch and enjoy and there's a twitter and a gmail if you want to kind of hang out there and let us know what you thought of the show or the episode or anything like that otherwise i think that's it enough rambling from me let's dive deep into bridgerton Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again before I get started here, just to let you know that I recorded this from the very, very west coast of Canada, and Mia is on the very, very east coast of the United States. So there's a little bit of natural latency in the Zoom call, so if at some point it sounds like we're interrupting each other or something, I promise you we didn't mean to. There's just a little bit of lag in the Zoom call at certain points in the podcast. We did our best, but if it sounds like, hey, these two don't sound like they're in the same room together, surprise editing magic, we were not in the same room together and had to record this over the internet, which just the way it delivers packets isn't always at the same speed so we did our best it affects almost none of this podcast but just if you're wondering like wow one of the two of these people is really rude for interrupting the other it was not intentional or anything there's just a little bit of lag in the zoom call any of you people in covid with zoom calls will know what this is like anyways enjoy the podcast it's not a huge deal just wanted to let you know all right, everybody, welcome back into Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton. I am here today with a guest for the first time on the Bridgerton feed here. We are doing a mid-season check-in, and I would like to introduce you to Mia. Uh, I know Mia from the, the Hamilton part of our Let's Dive Deep podcasting, where I believe Connor coined her as like the serial emailer. She would email at the end of every episode with like an essay about that episode of Hamilton. And six months later, here we are talking about Bridgerton. So Mia, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Hey everyone, my name is Mia. I am studying music in college at the moment. I play piano. I love media of all sorts, books, movies, TV shows. Started watching Bridgerton last year and found the podcast. And I have never read the books and I have only watched up to episode four, so I will not spoil much. I have a couple spoilers in my rattling around somewhere in my brain for later on, but I don't remember most of them, honestly. So. Perfect. You should be good, good with spoilers. Awesome. So we're on the same page. For you listeners, it's, what's good to know is we're on the same page. I have not watched past episode four either. You should know that because no one's clicking on the mid-season check-in as like the first episode. Um, however, like me, I have been spoiled on things past episode four. I just haven't watched it. So 
how we get there, a little bit unclear, but I'm aware of mostly where we do get to by the end of the season. Uh, I suppose the first thing to do, Mia, with a mid-season check-in is just do a quick vibe check. Where are we at? How are we feeling? Uh, you haven't had a chance to give scores for the episodes or anything yet. So just generally speaking, where are you at with the season? How are you feeling about it? How are things going for you? Overall, I am definitely enjoying it much more than the first season, actually. I liked the first season quite a bit, but I'm finding the characters and the storylines and the arcs of this season to be more interesting and more what I'm interested in consuming, particularly Anthony and Kate's whole shindig of... Hot mess. I described it in the... You haven't got a chance to listen to it. I described their whole thing as just, a, by the end of episode four, just a hot mess. That's all it is. It is a completely hot mess. Yeah, yes, the end, of, the end of episode four definitely did annoy me just from like a watching and wanting them to be together i'm like no what right, is, yeah, no yeah, come yeah, on no, that's not good that's exactly that's right terrible can't you feel the sizzling chemistry yeah uh where are you come at on, like guys. on a score like if you have to give a score on a the score first i'm thinking episodes. like 8.4 to 8.5 for the first half of the first second season um definitely better than the first season i would say um so like middle of the road on the good side so like probably 8.5 is closer Right. Um, Are you using the, the same scale I'm using? Like the same I am I'm, trying to, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. I just didn't want to, like, if I'm going to go with an 8.3, I was like, how close are our 8.3s? I don't want to impose yeah. my scaling on anybody, but I like to know where people are. Well, I are. wanted it to be fairly similar. So, you know, I listened to your criteria and I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. So I've tried to have it be close, but it's not exactly the same because we're different people. Right, absolutely. I went with an 8.3. That's where I'm at. I'm not sure if that's a perfect average. Uh, one of the things that's fun about the podcast is I don't actually do any extra work. I just kind of talk into a microphone. So I could have taken the 30 seconds to average my scores out and divide it by four, but I didn't do that. So I'm going to assume 8.3 is somewhere close where I'm kind of at with season two. I, I think that it's Someone on Reddit, and they, to be fair to this person on Reddit, they had all of the episodes to watch, and I kind of haven't yet. But they kind of described uh, season one as a really good snack, and season two is like a decent meal, right? And a decent meal is better than a really good snack. But it's also like, it's just a little more fulfilling, but it's not like a nine or a ten of the ten. And that's kind of where I'm at if I was to try to articulate the difference. I think overall... I'm happy. There's nothing that's made me wildly unhappy or grinded my gears or anything, but there's still a few nits to pick here. There are a few things where the jumps the shark a little bit and I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, would you say that's kind of where you're at? As I would well? definitely agree with that. That's a great, whoever said that on Reddit. Yes, I agree. Um, definitely more of a meal than the first season, but it's not, it's not quite a nine or a 10. Right. Okay, I suppose the first place to start then. We're, okay, so far we've been the same, so this is a great time to jump into Anthony here. Uh, same scoring, same everything, same opinion on the season. I think we have different opinions on Anthony. You've hilariously given Anthony a 5.5 score after episode one, but by the end of episode four, it's closer to like an eight, which is crazy. That's a big come up. Uh, how are you feeling? We'll get into the whole storyline, but just about Anthony, the protagonist. After last season, he had an awful season one. I don't think anyone liked him in season one. We're into season two. How are you with him? Much, much better than season one. And after the first four episodes, way better. That, yeah, the first the first episode, I gave him a 5.5 because I just really, really didn't like anything he had to say. Great. Not to dunk on the actor. Love the actor. I don't remember his name. He's fantastic. Uh, Jonathan um, Bailey. Yes, Jonathan Bailey. He's awesome. 
um, and like the writing and all that was great, but it, it made me a little bit nervous because I was like, oh, they're going to have to give him a lot of character development for me to like him. And they managed to do that in like three episodes. So that's impressive. Um, I think it was episode three that had all the flashbacks. That was definitely very helpful. Um, gave him a lot of backstory and kind of explained his childhood trauma and where he's coming from with how he's going about the the ball and finding people to marry season thing. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, the, <laughs> the season, the so- I guess. The social season? Yeah, yeah, the social season. So it makes sense. I still don't like it. And he was so obnoxious in the beginning with his list of criteria, unreasonable criteria right, for women yeah, that yeah. he would marry. And I was just like, nah, no. Nope. <laughs> You're just out? <laughs> There's no, it hit the eject button on Anthony. One of the interesting things about Anthony, I think, going into the season is that that was the job of season two is, uh, I'm not in the show to like all the characters, right? Like, if I liked all the characters right. in a show, then it's just a bad show. Like, there needs to be people to dislike. And even it's even cooler when the protagonist is kind of the anti-hero in a way where you kind of dislike them, but you kind of understand Definitely. where they're coming from. And so the job of season two is like to get me to just care about Anthony. Whether I liked him or disliked him was kind of irrelevant, but it's like, make me want to watch eight hours of him as the main character, which was not where I was at after season one. And in that endeavor, the show was done superbly. They got rid of the sideburns. They gave him a fresh cut. He looks good. Oh, he be- looks so much better this season. Yeah, he looks good. He had a be- major good- glow up. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And he comes in, he comes in and he's he's a prick. And he has this weird arc because in episode one, he's just a jerk. Although they they very kindly give him other dudes who are even more of a jerk. So he kind of looks better, yep. at least, yeah, at least compared that. to them, he looks a little bit better. That was nice of the writers to do that. And then you're episode right. two is like, eh, it's a little better. Episode three, you're like, oh, I like this guy again. And then in episode four, you're like, he's like trying to tell Kate how to shoot a gun and you're like nah, fuck this guy i just can't with this guy like he's just there's yeah it's helpful but he's unescapably anthony and i just try yes. so hard to like him and i just can't quite Same. get there which i think is a credit to the show though yeah i think that's the point yeah definitely because episode three they kind of if you're doing is like a graph or something he's spiked in episode three and i was like oh i'm starting to understand this guy i love the character development i feel for him which is important right for a protagonist that you need to like and then episode four i'm just like ah darn it can you go back to being a little bit more developed yeah, yeah, yeah. he has some good <laughs> Still get where he's coming from but like come on he has some really Stop being good a prick. moments like like he has some good moments with with edwina and their little date on the couch or whatever and he's making jokes that about, was like, adorable the ledgers and you're like this is super cute i like this guy yeah. and then yeah on the hunt when he's like nah we're gonna go follow the guide or whatever it's like come on you know she's right like or even yeah. like even the moment where was it maybe benedict or something is like or the moment where they're trying to discuss whether a woman can go hunting or whatever and Anthony's like, no, I did not say that. And Kate goes like, well, but you thought it. It's like, yeah, everyone knows you and were an- thinking And Anthony's it. look when she says that, he's like, oh, you called me out. I definitely was thinking that. It's like, come on, man. Right, yeah, it's like, come on, like, just a little bit more nuance here. Like, you know she's going to pick up on that. You know she's going to call you out on it. You're trying to, like, marry her sister. Like, can we just, like, just even if you don't, like. Just try to get along. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. Do it for the sake of Edwina. That's right. If you pretend to care about her so much. Just the whole hunt sequence was pretty hilarious, though. <laughs> the yeah. maid in the background. Yeah. Just falling off her horse. That, that was, was so hilarious. Good. Yeah, so good. Absolutely. Like, just that little bit of. What I liked about that is that they. It wasn't, like, overblown slapsticky. It was just, like, subtle in the background. But I was 
chuckling heartily because I was like, this is kind of not like out of character for the show, but it surprised me a little bit because they don't usually have those kind of gags. Yeah, and it, it felt was, a little gaggy, and I thought it was really well done, though. It was. I liked it because it didn't take up any time. Like it was a scene yes, that was going to happen too. anyway. Like they didn't take time out of the show to be funny. They just were, were funny within the show, which right. I think is like I. Sometimes you can tell when they put a scene in just to be funny. The Featheringtons are scenes yeah. just to be funny, and it works really well. Yes. But like it does. It, yeah, they're so hilarious. Completely pointless storyline so far, but yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Anthony's kind of romantic triangle that he's in now. And from that, I'm sure we'll, oh, boy. I'm sure we'll sprawl into <laughs> Daphne and Lady Danbury and how everyone is kind of attached to it. Um, are yeah. you rooting? One of the things that I've kind of decided after four episodes is that it's really important that there's this hypothetical world in which if Kate wasn't around, we would actually root for Anthony and Edwina a little bit. Are Definitely. you are you there? Because I think I'm kind of into that relationship if Kate wasn't around. Now that you point that out, I hadn't thought of that. That's a very good point. I think now that you point that out, definitely. Like, I can see how they could work. I think that Edwina is a little bit naive in her adoration of Anthony, and he's just, like, completely, like, not... Pl I think he has some affection for her, so it's not, like, totally platonic, but he's not interested in having a love-filled marriage, and which he's made very clear, and Edwina is, so I feel like there would be issues there. But I definitely do feel like they would be adorable together. And I think you make, yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. That yeah, if I, Kate was out of the picture, I would be kind of like, oh, this is, yeah, this is cute. I can see them being together. Yeah, because that's like the, it's like the anti-Burbrook thing. Like what made Burbrook suck in season one is you just, you knew that it was never going to happen and that no one wanted this and it was never going to happen. So I just kind of mm -hmm. yawned through it. Whereas in right. this season, I know that he's going to end up with Kate. That's where the show's going. He's not going to end up with Edwina. But unlike Burbrook, I'm actually kind of rooting for it. Like, if they're not falling in love, they at least like each other enough that they're... He's not going to be like... And they have enough in common. Like, that, the conversation that they had together, I think it was episode four, because I was waiting for... I think it was, like, three and four, where I, was, I could kind of see them working together more than one and two. Because, like, in the, the, their little date on the couch that was so adorable, like, Edwina was really charming and like they actually had stuff in common to talk about and it was i i was like oh okay i can see this edwin is going to be shattered when it doesn't work out though right and after the proposal oh, i'm kind of concerned I'm like, about that yeah because so i i thought there's no way we get to the proposal like i same was i was like we're yeah. running out of time in this episode what <laughs> like, that's right so i thought for here? sure like after daphne had that little conversation with him and anthony's kind of thinking about it i thought like once once anthony knows he likes kate but just hasn't said it once kate knows she likes anthony but just hasn't said it which is definitely where we're at in episode four i'd argue we were there Absolutely. in episode three but we're definitely there at the end of episode four once definitely. daphne and lady danbury are kind of both on their respective teams like telling them like hey watch out you'll catch a chill i was like holy fuck like that is nuts to say to kate right now i was like okay once all of that's done we're not getting to this proposal with edwina and nope it's just like just like a, a freezing cold knife through frozen butter just like forcing it in like whatever the opposite of like a smooth move is anthony's like nope we're sticking with the plan we're gonna go with edwina and i was like oh no because now like I'm aware that he ends up with Kate. I truly do not know how this happens and like how we get. Same. I'm so, I'm so curious. It's like, that's keeping me watching. Cause obviously, even if I didn't have it spoiled, obviously they're going to end up together. That's how they're playing it. And it would just be boring if, if they weren't. Cause there's not enough going on plot wise. If, if it was Anthony and Edwina, I think, but um, 
yeah, I was like, wow, how, after the proposal, I was kind of shocked. I was like, whoa, this is a problem. Because now Kate's going to be shattered, but doesn't know what to do with it because she's ignoring her feelings. And Anthony doesn't want love, so or so he thinks. Oh, it's a disaster. <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. It was definitely like a hot mess for sure. It's such a hot mess. Do you think that Edwina... It were, I'm not there yet personally, but I do worry that they're making Edwina a little too dumb. Like, this is where I'm at with Mama Bridgerton. Yes, I put that in my notes, actually, for the Edwina section. I was like, I really don't have anything to say about her because she's just kind of there and charming and sweet and adorable. And I'm like, okay, but she's still a person. She had a little bit in episode four, but still not enough. I'm kind of like, okay, can we have more from her? Right. So part of me is like, where I'm at with Mama Bridgerton is like, maybe after episode four and the whole Eloise thing, it's a little bit better when Eloise kind of put her in her place a bit. But I'm like, okay, they're just kind of Love making you, you're, they're just making you kind of as silly as you need to be or as unaware as you need to be Oops. for the, <laughs> for the scene <laughs> that's happening. Right. Right. And that's like, I worry they're doing that with Edwina. I'm not there yet, but I'm like, like, oh, like she's just going to like get Anthony and Kate to go on like a hundred dates. Like 50 first dates, Kate and Anthony edition is her actual plan to get married to this guy. I'm like, I worry yeah. that they're making her just And does she not too. see them gazing at each other? Like, right. She's like, yeah. Talking. Yeah. They've had conversations about how Edwina feels being around him. And it's like, okay, come on. Right. I get that you're young and naive, but like, uh, you should, yeah, I don't know. It's like, she keeps setting them up on literal dates. And he's like, oh, dance with my sister. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're crazy. That's an awful <laughs> idea. That is a terrible, a terrible idea. To be fair to Edwina, she doesn't get like the camera shots, like the really romantic camera shots of them all, almost touching hands or whatever that we get. That's to true. Watch. That's true. Yeah, it's clever filmmaking because they don't want you to actually like them. Yeah, together. even in the beasting moment, I laughed out loud when Kate was like, "Oh yes, I was stung," and Anthony's like, "Ah, right." I was like, "Oh my god, like, Edwina, poor you, poor poor creature." Like. That's just so funny. She's so innocent. You're like, hey, you got stung by a bee. Like, did you tell Anthony? Like, as if this is like a big news thing. But also, as I if... know. I was like, why would you tell Anthony that a freaking bee stung? It was just a bee. Right. That's right. But also as if as if they didn't like almost like just go at it in the garden at that moment. Oh, they were about to. But, yeah, absolutely. They were so about to. <laughs> all right. So let's move on from Edwina. I think we're, we're kind of on the same page with Edwina. What about Kate's role in all this? Because I have... I I have a few conflicting things in my head and part of what I struggled with in the first two episodes of analyzing the show is how to feel about Kate because on one hand Anthony is a bit of a dick and like Kate calling that out and acknowledging that is great in episode one it was great in in episode four with the hunt thing that was all great from Kate to be like your dumb fucking rules are terrible for women so I'm coming on this hunt and you can shut the fuck up Anthony and that's just how this is gonna go I'm like yeah Kate but also definitely agree <laughs> also like she's she's like at this point in in episode four like fully aware of kind of how she feels or at least where she's ending up kind of feeling and is like fully suppressing that like away from her sister which is noble in a sense but also just not very fair and also has not told her sister or her mother like i'm not exactly sure who knows about this sheffield business dowry thing but I think it's yeah, just Yeah, that Kate. confused me, too. I was like, who knows about that? And, like, what even is it? Like, I'm assuming we're going to get more in, like, episode five. 
but I was like, oh, that's that's going to complicate things. Right, but it's like Kate, Kate, and to me, to Kate's kind of credit, she keeps trying to say something before the show just interrupts her over and over again. That's true. But yeah. still, like, she never takes the time to go, hey, no, wait, hold up a second. I need to tell Edwina this. Like, she said all the So I'm kind of conflicted, because on one hand, I like her just complete, like, dunking on Anthony. But much like Anthony, I think that she is kind of, She's confused her kind of nobility and honor and whatever with just what's also in her personal interest in a way. And she's kind of got yeah. those two mixed up a bit in a way that I'm confused on how to feel about her. Yes, I would agree. In the very beginning, I was much more on Kate's side than Anthony's. We were kind of opposite there. Yeah. Um, I was like, ah, screw Anthony, completely hate him. Let's go, Kate. At this point, I'm kind of half and half because I still don't like a lot of what Anthony has to say and do like his character is still really annoying me but um and I still I like Kate quite a bit I love that she's really smart and quick quick-witted like her verbal sparring with Anthony is so fun oh absolutely um, I love watching those scenes them, yeah. yeah and they're perfectly matched which is fantastic obviously because they're gonna end up together but at this point I would agree it's like do you really really you're still you're still go railing against him this hard and and like not telling Edwina anything and she's trying way too hard to ignore her own feelings and that's that never works no never like Daphne has that line like those types of feelings always come bubbling up and I was like yes they do and this is gonna end yes, up yes they do really <laughs> badly end in a big clusterfuck if that continues. Yeah, I also, like, I'm just trying to play this out in my head. It's like, what is the worst case scenario here? Because at the beginning, it's not like Edwina was already aware of Lord Bridgerton before they arrived in England or whatever. This is just, like, a thing that he just happens to be the most eligible bachelor when right. when she arrived. And But that's, like, an accident. That's not something she was aware of. So it's like, what is, like, I'm trying to, like, what is the worst case scenario here? Like, I'm not understanding the stakes for Kate. So it's like, Kate just tells everyone how she feels. It's a little bit weird. Anthony may or may not do something about it because Kate's not like actually like by birth a Sharma or whatever. So maybe there's right, some problems there. But like, whatever. Like, so Kate says how she feels. Close enough. Anthony does yeah. or does not do something about it. Right. And then Edwina is free to find any other of the like noble. Like, the, the deal is like it has to be a noble Englishman. I was like, well, that's everyone in this show. Like, we're watching a show. Not, yeah, it's literally right? every single person. Right, and like, I get that Anthony might technically be the best fit here, but I, I'm, I'm not super sure, like, what, what the real cost of this is, other than Edwina just wants to be with Anthony, and Anthony wants to be with Edwina because she's the diamond. But like, right. neither of them, I think, are so invested in it that we're at the point of no return yet. We're clearly, we're, right. we're we're I'm like, concerned because it was a fairly public proposal, and so now he's going to have to back backpedal if he wants to get with Kate, when he wants to get with Kate. But so that's going to be dramatic. There's going to be a lot of drama going on with that. But uh, me too. It's like I don't know. It's a problem, but it's not like a world-shattering problem. That's what I mean. Like I think it is now. I think we're past like after the proposal. I think now it's a huge issue. Like I don't. Think, now it's a much bigger issue. Like I don't know if I don't know what the taxi backsies rule of proposals are <laughs> in, right. in England in eighteen fourteen, but there's typically not a lot of taxi backsy options. I don't think. Um, right, and but, it's usually, it's usually like a scandal that means that. So like. I don't think either of them have anything that scandalous going on. Yeah, but it's just like, up until that point, like, hey, I went 
on a hunt with Anthony. It was rather pleasant. I actually kind of like him. Just so you know, go ahead, marry the guy. But just be aware. You know what this is reminding me of? It's reminding me of the Schuyler sisters. Those two were both into Hamilton quite a bit. So much so that Hamilton was like having the side fling, at least in the musical, via letter with um, Angelica over in England or whatever. And they just made that work. They were just kind of all a little honest about how they felt. And like... Uh, everyone knew that Angelica also liked Hamilton and that was fine and Hamilton just married Eliza and that was cool and I get that this is a little different but still like I've watched yeah but it's the same thing yeah you're right that is it's the same scenario <laughs> it's the same kind of scenario and also equally like Angelica and um, Hamilton in Hamilton have crackling chemistry right? oh absolutely like, they just like fly off the, the screen at you and so it's not the scenario too where like, they were just a little less eligible for each other or compatible. Like, Kate and Anthony are popping off the screen. Like, yes, and they're perfect for each other. Absolutely. Although, perfect. I feel like they might destroy each other, but there's also something under that as well. I think their mutual destruction of each other is, is how they're going about not flirting, but it is actually flirting. I, I wonder if it's, like, two sheep in wolf's clothing, like, trying to be the big, scary, like... Like yeah, that's guy, a but good really analogy. Like, I think they're really it is. like two sheep that just love each other and like would would just want to hang out together and whatever. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the I wonder what the true feelings are too, because the show doesn't like. I'm not yeah, like with the B. I'm thinking of the B scene when you brought that up. Like she was really concerned about his reaction and like tried to calm him down. And when he didn't calm down, she's like, "Look, I'm fine. See, my heart's beating. I'm chill. We're good." Yeah. And that just gave him sexual panic, which is understandable. Oh, that, but it's like that calm down thing where they're both like, I need to cool off. Like, I need to go to the <laughs> tree and I need to breathe because that was the hottest thing that's ever happened to me. It was pretty funny. Yes, that was hilarious. Both of them running in opposite directions yeah. and then just standing there panting. I was like, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I just wonder with them, like, what is the... I think what is the like? I'm just trying to figure out what the downside is to them just acknowledging how they feel to each other. Like, yeah, and what's wrong? What's so bad about Kate just having feelings for someone? Like, why is she so against it? Is it political because she's not like actually a Sharma? Like, what's I don't understand why she's so dead set against it, or is she just like, is it just like the independent woman in the Renaissance trope? No, because I think that's Eloise more than Kate. Like I would put Eloise more. In yeah. There. I think it's just a misguided, like like Anthony, like a completely misguided sense of duty. Like she thinks. Oh, it's, that's a good point. I think she thinks it's her duty to Edwina to find her the best match, and it really sucks that she's also fallen for this best match. Right, but I think it's yep. just a misguided sense of duty and honor or something that's not letting her go through with it. I don't think. But also, like, what are the what are the feelings? Because in this show. I'm well aware that no one in this show even knows what sex is. So it's hard to know, like, if you don't have any context, like, none of these people... Well, except Anthony, but... Right, but none of the women do. So, like, they've never been right, in yes. relationships, like, close personal relationships, right? They don't, they don't like, in our society, like, people date a lot of people, like, through high school and stuff, and it's, like, a normal yeah. thing for people to do. That's not what's happening. They can only ever talk to people chaperoned by at least six other individuals who are, like, <laughs> right. eavesdropping on them. <laughs> Breathing down their necks, and they're like, oh, they touched pinkies, oh my gosh. Right, so it's like, do you even know if what you're feeling is love or lust or, like... Or are you just That's a fantastic point. Like, are you just horny but you don't know what horny is because you don't have the context so it's just like causing your brain to melt down like how 
like i wonder for kate like i don't know what her she seems more knowledgeable than the average person she seems like she knows what's going on right but i also right, like, maybe, i would agree i don't want to take for granted that she does like maybe she doesn't and maybe part of her feeling suppression is like she actually does not know how to feel because this isn't a situation what being in love is like because you never had having that. a crush on someone because like uh, yeah because she's never been married i think right Don't they no that? right so we have no idea like does she even know what she's feeling is love or is lust or is whatever like right. can, can you just if you've never had it then and and you're so and you're not allowed to know about anything then yeah how would you know that's a that's a fantastic yeah. point because I, I wonder that would be confusing <laughs> and then yeah i would be pretty angsty if that was going on in my life and i'm like oh there's this dude and there's something going on but you can't decipher what it is because you have no context right. and you've never been allowed to kind of just be let loose. like it's the famous teenage experience you just get let loose into the world and like right. everyone dates like six people and breaks up and cries a lot and the world's gonna end and whatever and then you get to another really that's how it goes but you learn a lot through that like you learn how to process and decipher a lot of these emotions in a way that the people in this show just aren't doing so i have a hard time even knowing what it is kate or edwina or any of the or like penelope for colin even like what is it is just last season that penelope thought that you could make babies by like catching a cold so like <laughs> what what like for penelope even like having a crush on colin does she know what that is like does she know what it is she's feeling because i think she does but like does she she I, seems to she seems but, to but i don't want to take that, that could for just be that could just be us reading into it because they're playing it they're playing her as being always flustered around him and so we know what she's feeling, but she might not. That's, a, that's yeah, that's interesting. I had, yeah, I hadn't really thought of that because she kind of, does she know about it? Because she was one of the ones that went to ask the maids about how babies are born. But didn't the maid just say it's from, like, comes from love? Yeah, yeah, that's what it so was. So she does, she still doesn't know anything about yeah, it the, at all. There's the scene with the cake, right? It's like, I love, because like, she liked cake. Yeah. Uh, Marina loved cake or whatever. And so she thought it was the cake that yeah. got marina pregnant yeah, yeah, yeah and that was like in in peak whistle down like that was like yeah. that was when she was pretending to be like this super smart kind of gossip monger so yeah fascinating so maybe maybe that's something that's interesting to to keep track of is like how capable are these people of deciphering their emotions and maybe that's why kate is having a, a hard time understanding them because she just doesn't know what they are yeah, definitely. Now I'm going to be thinking about that with the rest of it. Right, yeah, cuz she, she yeah, she just appears so headstrong and self-aware and like she just understands the world. Like she goes hunting, women don't normally hunt, those types of things. So I, right. I just don't want to take it for granted that she also isn't trapped in this weird fucking system of don't tell women anything about anything for any reason so that they can make right. you 20 babies and like they'll be stoked to do that or whatever. And I don't yeah, yeah I don't want to take for granted that she's escaped that entirely. Yeah, because I bet she hasn't. Yeah. All right. I think we can move on from Anthony and Edwina and Kate. We'll, I'm sure we'll get back to them. Uh, I will say that in the beginning, it's a little better now, but in the first few episodes, they were very much, all of their interactions were giving like knockoff Pride and Prejudice vibes yeah, yeah, for absolutely. me. And I just finally like waded my way through listening to the book Pride and Prejudice for the first time I hadn't actually sat down and read it or listened to it and so it's like I had that on the brain a little bit but they're definitely their interactions and like verbal sparring and their whole 
status thing and they're like oh but i'm too this and that to have love and it's like okay okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i had someone call out the miss someone in the facebook group the miss sharma or miss edwina or whatever i was yeah i was trying to figure out yeah whether it was like a slight or whether it was indicating who was eligible. And they were like, you fucking idiot. It's from Pride and Prejudice. It's the same system. It's like, oh, I've read Pride and Prejudice. I should remember that. It's been a while, but I felt really dumb. I'm like, this is exactly like Pride and Prejudice. I had that moment in the Facebook group where someone's like, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? But yeah, it is quite a bit like Pride and Prejudice. If you're listening to this and have not read Pride and Prejudice, you are missing out on just a fantastic time. It's wonderful. It's so well written. Absolutely wonderful. Um, let's talk about the people tangential, tangential, kind of, yeah, tangentially related. Yeah, tangential's right. Yeah, tangentially related. <laughs> I get that and ostensibly confused all the time. And I know what both those words mean, but I just use them too much. They're like the two big words I know. And so I like to throw them out. Um, yeah, so Daphne is kind of on the sidelines of this relationship. She's really only on the screen to have an interaction with the Anthony and Kate thing. And Mama Bridgerton isn't quite there, but she's also there. And Lady Danbury's kind of only really on the screen to talk about kate's role she's like the opposite to daphne on kate's team like if they were boxing and they had their own corners like lady danbury's in kate's corner daphne's in anthony's corner are you coming off of season one daphne is the main character the main love interest the person we're following someone that's charming that we like that we go through a roller coaster with unlike anthony right like we don't (laughs) we don't really have these moments where we don't like daphne too much there are a few that stick up but like mostly a a pretty well-rounded character that kind of learns and grows and goes through things. And uh, and then in this season, she's just not around. And that's how Bridgerton works, I think, is a lot of these people, like, they get their season and then it's someone else's book or someone else's season and they might be a side character. Have you been happy with the, the use of Daphne as the one recognizable kind of lead from season one we have? I have been. Um, I She was not my favorite character in season one, so I was not heartbroken that she wouldn't be playing a big role in this season um but i enjoyed her character and um how she was played was I thought very very well acted um but like i'm not missing her or the duke at all which is fantastic because i did i did like their storyline quite a bit um so i'm i am glad she's back it's kind of nice to have her around just as like a familiar face and she seems to have uh she seems to know what's going on with Anthony much more than he does um, and kind of be like the words of wisdom for falling in love. Um, although she seems completely fooled by him saying, oh, yeah, I'm in love with Edwina. She's like, OK, great. Marry him. And I'm like, really? Yeah, <laughs> you I, aren't seeing? I think with Daphne, one of the things that I've really liked is she she her she's playing the role of the kind of hyper competent sister who has been through this just last year, who's really in tune with her emotions, who can just, who also knows Anthony quite well and can just kind of see what's really going on with him. And it really starts when she mistakes Kate for Edwina. And you just know right away that like their interaction there was so obviously flirty that she just assumed there was no doubt in her mind that that was the Edwina that Anthony had mentioned, but she's she's not competent to the point of like, unbelievability like i believe that daphne shows up she knows what's going on she can see it a little bit she's not perfectly navigating it the best but she because it is obvious they're popping off the screen and like she's not the only one noticing it lady danbury knows what's going on i get the sense that mama bridgerton kind of knows what's going on but just doesn't want to say i think she has an inkling yeah but just definitely knows 
right? And so I like that for Daphne. I'm not missing the Duke at all. I mean, I'll have Reggie John Page in anything, like even if it was just in a cameo. But yeah, I haven't missed him at all. Yeah, I would agree. Lady Danbury then. So Daphne's around. She's having a good time. She's very well acted. Phoebe Denever is, is doing great with, with Daphne. Fantastically acted, yes. Lady Danbury absolutely milking every line reading. I'm trying to think I of a performance. I love her so much. Yeah, I feel like, was it Anthony Hopkins who plays, oh, was, is he plays Zeus in, in the Marvel? He plays Odin. Odin, sorry, not Zeus. I'm an idiot. Odin, that's my bad. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think Wrong of another. Mythology. I'm trying to, yeah, that's my bad. This is why I don't do a let's dive deep Norse mythology, Greek, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he plays he plays Big Daddy Odin in, in the MCU. And yeah, every scene that he's in, you're just like, oh, it's Odin. He's, this is going to be a great scene because he's in it. Definitely getting the same vibes from Lady yeah, Danbury. Like, I'm just I trying to think of a performance so where every line is milked as much as Lady Danbury is milking every single line she's given in this show. Like, I am convinced. But not, I... not like, obnoxiously. Like, no, it's not, not obvious that she's milking it. It's just like, oh, yes. And it's like you're cheering for it every time she shows up. Yeah, I get the sense that for for the actress, like she's in a bunch of other things and Bridgerton's her one like fun project where she just gets to show yeah. up. She gets the most bonkers lines. She gets like, <laughs> you shall catch a chill. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like that was terrifying. That delivery was so good. Yeah, and it's like, oh my goodness. Like Lady Danbury yeah. is on it. Do you feel, I'm starting to feel with Lady Danbury. And again, I don't know how, I know that we end up with Anthony and Kate together. We must. I really genuinely do not know how we get there or like the actual interactions that lead us there. But I'm having, yeah, I'm concerned at this point. <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a trouble with Lady Danbury that I'm just not having with Daphne in the sense that they figured out what's happening. Like, she's figured out what's happening. But instead of just saying, like, at some point, so she, with the, there's two things going on. There's the Sheffield business. And she says very straightforwardly, you need to tell your sister. That is what you need to right. do. But, Honesty. <laughs> but also, Lady Danbury, you are an adult. Once Kate has not told her sister, you're allowed to just do it because it's the right thing to do. Like, you don't have to, right. you don't have to, like, let it, if you know this thing should happen, that Edwina should have this information, and Kate has not passed it along, and it's critical now that Edwina has it, you're allowed to also just give that information instead of being like, well, I guess Kate didn't give it. I don't know. It's the same thing with, like... Yeah, I would agree, although I will... So, yes, I agree, definitely. And also, Lady Fitz Danbury, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. That's right, Obviously, yeah. we've seen that. She has so much power. Yeah. Love it. But the reason she's, like, not telling Edwina might be from some, like, weird societal like you don't meddle in other people's familial business kind of crap thing so like there might be some societal rule that like you just don't tell people things like that possibly I don't know. that's not obvious in the show though like that's true I i'm just thinking that might be why she's not but i agree that like it's like yeah. come on it's the same with <laughs> like totally have the power and status to do that right it's the same with kate liking anthony like she's onto it Right? She doesn't right. even need to say anything. She just needs to, like, I, I, to me, it's wild that there's not a scene of Lady Danbury going up to Edwina and being like, hey, just before we get in too deep here, like, you, like, do the reverse. Like, you go ask Kate about how she feels about the Viscount. Like, I'm, just, right. I'm just thinking they don't hate each other as much as you think they do. I could be wrong. Go ask Kate about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, just, like, like nudge, nudge people, <laughs> nudge people along in the right direction. You don't even have to be like, oh, by the way, Right, like she's pushing, yeah, yeah so like far. Like drop on, hints. Yeah, she's pushing so far in Kate's direction. It's weird to me she doesn't like push a little bit in Edwina's direction. But hey, 
just so you know, I'm picking up some spicy vibes off the off Anthony and Kate. I could be wrong yeah. here, but just watch out for it. Go ask Kate about it. Maybe talk to Anthony about it. I don't know. Right? Like Yeah. Do yeah. something. Yeah, weird this that that what, scene doesn't exist. Yeah. This is what annoys me about every every single piece of content that I have consumed that has anything to do with romance is that like the entire plot would just not exist if people would just communicate. (laughs) Like come on. Just like rom com this is better than like rom com movies because they've got like extra time and more characters to deal with. So I enjoy it a bit more. But every rom com movie I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. And like after you've seen a couple you just get tired and you're like, guys talk it out communicate just talk about things it's not that hard yeah there's like there's all there's all those like posts on reddit too like harry potter would be half a book if like hermione and the adults just had a conversation at the beginning of book one <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that's so hilarious that's so true too right yeah, like, i think that's the oh! same with all stories is like if, yeah. if real people talk to people like they would in real life then this would just go a lot easier yeah but then there wouldn't be a story who, that's who right that? yeah is there anything else with Lady Danbury? I'm trying to think. She's kind of just Kate's kind of foil. Well, that's all. Like, yeah, she's hanging out. She's Kate's foil. She's partying hard. She hosts balls and stuff. She's having a good time. She's chummy with the Queen. They seem like BFFs. I don't know what their relationship yeah, is. Yeah, that's but... that's pretty cool because she seems like lower, much lower status than the Queen, but they're like pals, which is which is really cool. Her and El- like Lady Danbury and Eloise are the two main people, and and Penelope goes in there too. Um, they're the main trio that like I want an offshoot, like a oh, spin-off, spin-off show with them. Right. I just want more of them yeah, together. We're, we're getting one with the Queen. There's like an announcement. Like, oh, are we? Yeah. I like, didn't know that. Yeah, Shonda Rhimes announced last week that we're getting like a prequel with the Queen Charlotte. Um Ooh. and that Lady Danbury and Mama Bridgerton will be in it. I don't know how they're gonna de-age those actresses because they announced like the actresses will be in it too. And I was like, huh. I don't know how that's gonna work, but I'm here for it. Like that's fun. It's not it's not the spin-off I would have wanted, but I'll take it. It's better, yeah. I mean, at least Danbury's in it. Right, that's exactly right. I want like a detective spinoff with Penelope and Eloise. What would you like that though? I would just yell at my screen the whole time. Like if if I well get, probably if I get any more of Detective Eloise, like it, the amount I'm getting <laughs> like makes me so happy and it's funny and it's like that's a fair point. Yeah, if I got too much any... of a good thing is just makes it a bad thing. Right, it's like the Featheringtons. Like I'm happy with where they're at. They're funny. Their sideline is is fun. If I got any more of it though, I'd be like, can I just get back to whatever we're doing? Like it's perfect the way it is. But it, it, yeah, that's true. Perfect. So let's talk about Penelope, Lady Whistledown, having a good time. How are you feeling about the the little cinematic trick of we know who Lady Whistledown is, but the people in the show don't? I was really excited for that going into the season. How do you feel like they're executing that? I definitely like that dynamic. Um, I'm kind of annoyed that Penelope hasn't, not Penelope, Eloise hasn't figured out that Penelope is Whistledown. I feel like they've had enough obvious Whistledown interactions and then like in was it episode two where she just blatantly wrote everything that Eloise said the day oh, before? That was so funny. I remember. I don't know what I said in the podcast about. I remember that. you mentioning it. Yeah. I was like, and Eloise is just like, okay, idiot. cool. I'm like, like really? You're detectivizing. You figured out the letter thing, which is way more obscure. Right. Absolutely. Like, and then every time they're together, and someone mentions Whistledown, Penelope like panics, and it's like Penelope, you need to chill. 
if you keep responding that way every time someone brings up whistle down in your presence you're gonna get found out yeah eloise um, should be figuring this out i'm like yes, I, I do i do like i was surprised to find out that she just outed herself to a person like now the modiste is in the modiste knows that she's lady whistle down and she has like a tag team member here which i thought was interesting yes. i wasn't expecting her to out herself to somebody as lady whistle down well, didn't they run into each other, though? And then she was, like, trying to cover her bases. Yeah, I, th- I think there was a, still a better way to do that, though. Like, it would have been... I mean, yeah. Like, oh, it would have been, like, maybe maybe she's doing what I want Lady Danbury to do or Kate to do or whatever and just, like, saying the thing that she feels like, okay, instead of just mm. pretending we didn't see each other and taking the risk, I'll just tell her, and hopefully that works out better. Right. Um, maybe that's what she's doing. I was still surprised to see it. it my prediction was that Colin was going to find out. And my thought was like, okay, Colin and Penn are going to be a thing just based on how this show is going to go, which seems less likely by the minute, but that's okay. Colin and Penn are going to be like kind of a thing. And then Colin and Penn are going to be like all chummy and ready to go and going to get married or whatever. And then he's going to find out that it was Penelope that wrote the Marina thing from season one. Oh, and had like a meltdown. That was the whole headcanon I created for this. That's a good headcanon. Like 10 minutes into season one, they're like, ah, fuck you, Brad, you idiot. That's not what we're (laughs) doing here. Um, so I'm a little bit jaded that it wasn't Colin who was first. My my plan could still happen too, but I don't think it is. I think yeah, I definitely. Because even Marina noticed Penelope's infatuation with Colin. She's like, "Go, go talk to Penelope, you idiot!" And he's like, "Penelope, he's like, oh my god, Colin, <laughs> you you are Pen. You do not count." It's like just womp womp womp. Like, come on. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, dude, come on, man. He kind of annoys me just because he's so. He's just kind of the sweet younger brother and he's gone off and had some development off screen, but he's still kind of an idiot emotionally. And he's just like, eh, still, still, he's stuck on his ex. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know how old Colin's meant to be. I'm going to assume like 22, 23 years old, maybe. Yeah, that's Uh, understandable. I get it. Also, like, it's not like you have a lot of relationship options in this time either. That's Uh, true, but he's got Penelope right there. Yeah, I know. I want them to get together for sure. I, think, I do too, definitely. I think my problem with Colin's storyline is I just don't need it. Like I, you haven't listened to the episode yeah. four podcast, but I liked everything with Marina. Actually, like I liked that whole sequence. It was yeah, good. I did too. I liked Colin. He's just kind of there, though. I was like, I already have enough. Not... I was like, I think they needed to pick one of. So they have Benedict, Eloise, and Colin, and those are the siblings kind of getting some airtime. And it's right. like I, w- I think they needed to pick two of the three of them. Like I think Benedict has his art storyline. Eloise has her kind of coming of age like i'm real. I, I like i've always said i'm not gonna do this i'm actually not gonna do this mom sorry right. kind of storyline and she's in the whistledown storyline too so eloise is kind of in two different storylines like that's enough of the extra bridgertons for me i just didn't mm. need colin going to marina's house on top of that even though i enjoyed it i just really like if they had just not had that scene and i just hadn't seen colin as much i would not have noticed or cared at all absolutely yeah, because I didn't even notice that he was gone until he showed back up. I'm like, oh, Colin, okay, why is he back? Just to stir stuff up with Penelope. But yeah, I agree. I I loved the thing where he went to see Marina. Um, honestly, did not recognize Marina at all. She looked <laughs> great. Think... She was having a good time. She was fun. Yeah, she definitely. Had... But she... just like I, I was like, I don't. I guess. I mean, I watched. I haven't seen season one for a long time, but I was just like. Is that what Marina looks like? Okay, cool. But like her husband's really cool and that whole thing was fun. Like Colin's a super nerd now. 
from right. his travels. Right, he's been to, he's been to Greece and like he, he's not aware. Won't that, shut up about yeah, it. He's not aware that being to Greece is not a personality trait. Like <laughs> it's like an experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I like. But yeah, it. I agree. If he wasn't there, I don't think I would care at all. Yeah, it was good. It was fine. I like that Marina put him in her place. I think it's good to see one of the... I mean, it's not ideal because the whole... You just have to accept the whole system is dumb to watch this show or also just be mad the whole time. But like once yep. I kind of accept the whole system is dumb and repressive, like once I get past that, it was nice to see someone who kind of is the embodiment of like... They're not in a perfect love marriage, but it's not like... It's not either you love the person or that you hate them and they're abusive. Like... She's just in right. A, they're just making it work. Right. They're both content. They're both kind to each other. They're both yeah. pleasant. They're raising their kids. He's a good father. Like it's nice to see that. Just because you don't find the love match doesn't mean you're gonna end up like just destructively upset for the rest of your life in a way that you just right. can't cope with. Like Marina seems perfectly happy considering the circumstances available. Like yeah, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't perfect, but it's good enough. And I think it was good to at least see some version of that on screen for the show. Definitely. I like that quite a bit. Um, Benedict's having fun at art. How how <laughs> how funny was the was the tea scene the, for you? The drugs thing. The that drugs was, thing was so good. That was so hilarious. I think I split up. I think I started watching the episode like at night and then got really tired, so I finished it. And so like I'd forgotten that he'd had the oh, like an right. entire packet of whatever that drug is. And yeah. so we got to the dinner scene with the guests and he's just making with, oh, it was with the Charmins. And he's just making a complete and utter fool of himself. And I was just like, what? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah he I, had like an overdose of whatever that thing was. And I was like, that was hilarious. So good. I like for Benedict. I have no like opinions on him. I'm just happy he has a storyline. He is like just funny this season. Like there's nothing else. He had some good jokes last season, but this season specifically, he's like every line reading is so funny from him. Yes, he's hilarious. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't have too much to say about his storyline. He's not doing a whole lot this season. I like his art thing. Um, when he was still reeling from the drugged tea thing and he got his acceptance letter, I was very afraid that he was going to like heat himself out the window. Oh, I, I was too. I was like, oh my goodness, like don't fall out the window. Uh, he has yeah, I thought he was going to be like, yeah, and just yeah. like go flying and i'm like yeah. oh shit they're in a tower that's not gonna end well oh yeah that's but he, not he didn't he managed to not fall out the window but i thought that was pretty funny I, I i'm mean, convinced that he's not straight oh just, so i've seen a I'm lot of that out there i've that's seen a, a lot of this take. online so i've seen a lot of this online you put it in the notes and i'm super like bridgerton is the perfect show to kind of adapt some kind of lgbtq storyline into it i'm really annoyed that they haven't honestly as someone i'm by figured that out last year let's go it's much more fun i've got to say yeah. but it's like he's so not straight i don't think he's entirely gay but like last year with the gay painter guy i'm like they've they had some serious chemistry right so like, that didn't go anywhere and then it's like he's just he's like you're he's he's the perfect archetype of like the bisexual artist like come on Netflix. yeah and so what i like about bridgerton being the show to do this is that like they're not bound to the rules of the time Right, because there's—I don't think there's right. a way to eloquently add an LGBTQ storyline into Bridgerton following the rules of the time without it actually just being kind of depressing, right? Yes, and we've had enough depressing period gay stories. Thank you. That's what I mean. And so, <laughs> but with Bridgerton, they've already kind of like what makes the show fun is it's almost like 
it's like a it's like a fond retelling of the time where everyone is super right it's, it's almost like an alternate version it's like it's like right. the whole multiverse thing in marvel it's like a separate universe right so if, the, if this version of bridgerton like being gay was like cool but just uncommon and no one really likes sex no one really understands it and it's going to take some time for everyone to come around to it but it's not like right. illegal in this universe like that would be so good i would love that so that much. that would i really come on netflix we the need to only start problem with benedict being the one though is i am aware because of twitter spoilers that he ends up with someone named sophie at some point because they were like do, doing all their casting like the twitter likes to do pretend casting and mm. it must be next season because after season two aired, everyone on Twitter with like the hashtag Bridgerton was like arguing with each other about who they should cast as the Sophie person <laughs> for next season. And I was like, ah, I got, yeah, yeah, Benedict's the best person for that storyline. I'm just also like aware that he doesn't have one in the book. So I'd be totally fine for them to adapt it and just like not have any Sophie and just make a new romantic partner for him to. Yeah, maybe some fellow artist or someone like opposite to him, so they can have like an opposite subtract storyline cliche. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be. But good. like they, have, the Bridgertons have like seven children. I don't even know how many they have. There's they have a lot of. of them, yeah. They have a lot of children. There's no way that all of them are straight. Right, right. Just, just statistically just speaking, statistically, Mama Bridgerton. Just statistically, there's no way. I'm convinced that. It, and their names line up. I'm convinced that Benedict is bi and Eloise is a lesbian. And I am going, that's my hot take for Bridgerton <laughs> so far. <laughs> and good. I'm sticking with it. Like Eloise just it doesn't want anything to do with the season at all. She like cringes when she has to dance. She's got this weird chemistry with Penelope. I don't think they're trying to play it like they are, but I'm not the only one that's noticed. I've heard other hot takes where people are like, I'm noticing some some stuff whenever they're together they're always together and yeah i i think that they should i think that netflix should run with that <laughs> i definitely do i what i've liked about bridgerton is at least like it's hard in a show on it's hard a, it, it's specifically in a period piece that's an adaptation to do any right. kind of like virtue signaling or like moral like whatever but bridgerton has done it exquisitely well so far with like the diversity that's like, true they don't hammer you over the head with it there's not like a big warning of the show being like hey by the way in real life all these people were white like they don't do they just like right. they just put it on the screen and you can either accept it or not accept it because it's a fun netflix show right and i stopped thinking about the diversity two seconds into the show I had that. Oh moment. yeah, same. It's that... like watching Hamilton. It's like you know that George Washington did not look like Chris Jackson, unfortunately. But right. it's like it doesn't fucking matter, and right, it's like, such a good show. Otherwise, that it's just like, all right, so what? Same thing with Hamilton. I like, like, yeah, you don't know. The thing it's... that I like about Bridgerton is that like they there's people of color, but that's not their only storyline. Like in other period pieces, I feel like they would probably just be like, oh, their entire struggle is that they are. Right, people that's of color. exactly what I'm saying. But here, yeah. it's like they're people, and that's what I want out of LGBTQIA plus rep. Is and this is I'm going to plug my new favorite show. Our flag means oh, death. Yeah, Go watch it. it; it's amazing. Um, but they have like it's a show about gay pirates. If you don't know about it, and you're living under a rock, um, and it's amazing. And they have a lot of um LGBT plus rep in it, including non-binary people, bunch of gay people, and it's fantastic and that's not their entire character trait they're they just they are people and they happen to be gay and moving on and that's what i like about bridgerton right so i with the 
race stuff. So I feel like they could make it work if they if they went there. Yeah, I fully agree. If any show is going to do it well in a way that 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 just like seamlessly fits into the show, where it's not it's not part of the storyline, it just is a thing that exists and. There's going to be a fun story around it, but it's not going to be like the struggle of the show. Right. Yeah. So I'm 100% like I, I'll actually be a little bit grumpy at the missed opportunity if we get seven seasons of Bridgerton or whatever. And there's just zero. Yeah. That would just be. be Yeah, that would just really suck. Or again, like we've had enough sad storylines about it, too. Like just I just want to. Oh, yes. I just just want some fluffy gay stories. Come on. (laughs) That's right. Okay, who haven't we talked about? Um, let's talk about Eloise a little bit. Eloise is around. Yes, love Eloise. Love Eloise. Eloise is fun because she's the character I agree with the most. She is our audience yes, avatar. Me too. She is the one that just fully understands that everything in this this whole setup is dumb. This whole setup sucks. The men have all the benefits. The women are super repressed, and she gets all that. And to her credit, she voices it out loud. Like we don't assume Eloise thinks these things. Like she just says it to whoever's listening, which right. is which is great yeah. for her. She has no filter, and I love that. Yeah. About her. The and maybe maybe they maybe they're kind of setting up something with the printer boy. The I can't remember his name. That guy. The the guy in the the printer shop she ran into. What was that? That was like episode two or three. Anyways. The I'm shady old... on that. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. There was some dude, like, she went to the shop to check out. Because she says in episode oh, yeah. four, with, with Penelope in episode four, Penelope's like, you know, you shouldn't be going to that shop. That's the wrong side of town. And she asked, like, the maid for, like, right. where did yeah, Eloise yeah, yeah. drop? Anyways, I, they might be setting up something there. But assuming they're not, my only kind of issue with Eloise is the same issue we just talked about. It's becoming like the only thing. And it's like, I just want to see Eloise enjoy a breakfast. Like, what does she like to eat? Right. Like, what yeah. is Eloise like? You know what I mean? Like, if she's, she's re- like the comedic relief character and she's great, but I kind of, I want more of her being a more well-rounded character. Definitely. Yeah. I just want her to be a person who thinks these things instead of just a walking embodiment of these things that she's thinking. And I just like, right. oh, can I just see Eloise? Like, Paul Mall was great. Just Eloise around, hitting a ball with a mallet, not being grumpy at the world for five minutes. Like, that was great to see, right? Yeah. And so I just want, that's my only criticism of, like, the way they've done Eloise. It's very slight, but it's like, I just need her to have, at this point, it's been a season and a half of just the same thing with Eloise. And I agree with that thing. And I want her to keep exploring that thing. But it feels like that thing isn't being made any progress on. Like, it's just still exactly where we were last season in terms of how she thinks how she feels and how the other people around her are feeling about it right there hasn't been any growth yet yeah i just want it it doesn't even need to be growth i just want it to go somewhere i just want all of that energy to like be directed at a thing and i don't know what that thing is and i I think we're probably going to get something at the end of this season but up until episode four we haven't and it's just like yeah like i get it eloise you don't like this you don't want to do this (laughs) i agree with you but like let's go have lunch like what do you like for lunch like do you like the fish head pie that sounds disgusting right but like <laughs> that scene was hilarious yeah but even like the featheringtons like that scene of them like bowling or whatever and we get the hilarious comedic gag of like prudence coming up with the man trap idea and then bowling a strike as if that's like the light yeah. bulb going off right <laughs> like that's the kind of i just want one scene of eloise like that like the palm Mall, where it's like she's just having fun yeah. and like it's yeah i don't know just existing doing something other than being the audience foil would be nice yeah, she has that great conversation with Kate about yes, like, hey, you're not married. How how tough is that? And Kate, to her credit, doesn't like 
it would have been easy like at the Bridgerton home to just be like, oh, it's lovely. It's wonderful, Louise. You're going to have a great time. She like lays down like, look, uh, it, like if you already don't like society, you'll like it even less because they will not like you as much. Right. Okay. Like it's hard. It's tough. Like your family certainly isn't going to be happy about it. Mama Bridgerton is just pissed off all the time about it. You know what I mean? Um, well, Mama Bridgerton is pissed off all the time about everything. Yeah. It's her character. Like, like, I want to stay with Eloise. Do you have anything else on Eloise? I don't want to do her dirty. I don't think so. I want more of her, but I also want like more aspects of her as well. Like I want to see more of her and I want more, more fleshing out of her character. Yeah. All right. So Mama Bridgerton, this kind of ties in a little bit with Eloise. She is the character I'm having the most trouble with and it hasn't been bad enough to warrant like the things I don't like section of the podcast that I do. Like it hasn't been bad enough to like put it in there. Like it hasn't bought, but it's like, it's really hard. I just don't know how she feels about anything. Like she wants Anthony to get Same married here. until yeah, she does it. Like got a really good poker face. Yeah, she wants Anthony to get married until she doesn't. And then if Anthony does want to get married to the diamond of the season, and to Anthony's credit, someone who in this like terrible matchmaking system is like a pretty decent match. Not a full love match, but like like the Marina situation. Like a con- They're definitely compatible. They're definitely compatible, right? And so Anthony's like, what, what, are, what is your problem, Daphne and mom? Like, she's nice. She's pleasant. She's well-read. She's, Anthony, she's even wise. Like, awesome, Anthony. Like, way to acknowledge that women can be I don't be know wise. where he got that from. I'm like, not sure we've had any wise things dropped from her, except maybe that she's read a couple rare books. But but to Anthony, though, to Anthony, who's <laughs> to like, Anthony, yes. Who doesn't even know, he didn't even know what a poem was in episode two. Like, this guy, like, that is... <laughs> right yeah that is like you've read three books holy shit because in the other scene he was like oh my god you can hold a map properly like that's perfect (laughs) right like and so i don't think anthony is looking very deep for the definition of wise that's true yeah that's a good point yeah but yeah yeah, and mama bridgerton is like marry him or marry her and then she's like no don't and then she's like do it for love and then he's like stop because the whole thing with dad totally ruined you so i'm not gonna be doing that and like now that i've seen that character growth from him i get it more and like i guess that's a noble thing i still think that he should get over that but uh it's like they, they really needed therapists back then <laughs> absolutely i this is and mama pro- bridgerton really needs a therapist too i think that's part of the reason she's so like hard to read and kind of kind of annoying for me is that like she's just got a lot of repressed crap going on under the surface yeah this is a pro therapy podcast if you're listening to this podcast you've never tried it go to therapy it's fantastic i explain it to people as like professional listeners like imagine talking to your best friend about something but instead that best friend is highly qualified at helping you through whatever it is you're talking about uh exactly it, it feels so much better um yeah go to therapy for any reason doesn't even need to be everyone su- should go to therapy yeah, there's it, no reason too small to go to therapy right that's what i mean it's not it doesn't even need to be super trauma you had a bad day at work therapist will help you with that um exactly yeah they definitely need therapists i just i want to dive a little bit deeper into her character but i'm just having a little bit of the problem is i feel like she's just written to be as her opinion is just whatever the scene needs it to be if the scene mm. needs if the scene needs her opinion to be that Anthony should wait a little longer to marry to get to know Edwina more, then that's what she thinks in that scene. If the scene needs her to right. think that Anthony needs to get married right away or whatever, then that's what she needs then that's what she thinks in that scene. And it makes her a bit of a ping pong character wise. Yeah, like, like a I'm ping sure pong I'm ball going time. back and forth and it's like, come on. That's exactly right. And so I just having a hard time with that. I man, the the trauma sequence in episode three with all the flashbacks and stuff. 
was a little bit relatable for me because I shared some parts of that with Anthony in terms of my life, right? And so, like, I was kind of focusing on the Anthony part of it because that's just the view of which I understood it. But some of the sequences with Mama Bridgerton are absolutely wild. Like, she's in the trauma sequence, like, right after the traumas happened. I kind of forgive her for everything she said. Although, it's still wild to tell your son, like, hey, by the way, I walked by the nursery and I keep wondering why Hyacinth didn't kill me. It's like... Do you need to say that out loud to your eldest son? Like, those are... you. He was, like, 18. How, like, how old was he back then? Right. Not, he just, yet, he not just, that old. He just came in to ask if he wanted to go to dinner, which was, like, a nice thing for him to do. Like, do we need to dump that on him right then? But even in the present, she was on the bench with him being like, you know, you used to be so fun and smile a lot and crack a joke. Like, what happened? It's like, have you been watching these flashbacks? What happened? He watched his fucking dad die, and then you kept telling him about how you wish Hyacinth would have killed you. Like, what? Like, that is going to fuck somebody up, Mama Bridgerton. Yeah, trauma is what happened, Mama Bridgerton. Right, Come on. What happened? What do you mean what happened? Like, you were there. You vaporized for years because of your trauma, and he dealt with it his own way. Like, what? Come on. Yeah, so I don't blame... I, I want to be clear. I'm not blaming Mama Bridgerton. Like, we all deal with things in our own oh, way. Oh, no, definitely not. And after but, the whole trauma sequence, I'm just like, oh, shit, okay. Right, I feel like, I feel a lot more for her, but I'm still kind of like, um, really? Yeah, for her to be like, what happened though? It's like, wait a second, what do you mean, what happened? That's what happened. Yeah, it's like you watched I... your father die. Yeah, it's like in so- front of your eyes. If I watched someone punch you in the face and like all of your teeth <laughs> fell out, and then we went to the dentist, and we got to the dentist, and then I was like, you know, you used to smile so much more. What happened? It's like well, you were there when the dude punched my teeth out right yeah, like it's the on. same kind of thing it's like yeah i just but that's like because that's my problem is that scene needed her to be curious so that anthony can answer the question so that the audience right. could have the answer but it's completely unrealistic because she that she would be curious because she was there and that's like the whole yeah i was wondering why they didn't have that kind of question and answer session framed around kate because she doesn't know what happened right like, to that's have what a I touching mean. Like, moment I don't remember if it was before or after his conversation with his mom, but, like, they have that conversation where she's like, how did your father die? And he's like, a bee sting. And, and then she's, like, a light bulb goes off. She's like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Now I and, get his reaction. It, but I think that sense. happened after the bench chat with his mom. And so, like, I don't know why they didn't just... Yeah, be, that like, happened in that episode into four. Kate having to question him. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just, like, the Mama Bridgerton stuff has just been a little unelegant writing. Like, nothing terrible, yeah. but, like, a little unelegant. Um, yeah, that scene with Kate, though, like, holy shit. I, the, the facial reacting from Simone Ashley to react to that, like, now that she's, so like, good. getting it is so good. Also, like, what's great about them is, like, it's even when they're talking about, like, how his dad died, the sexual tension is nuts. Like, she's in that white yeah. shit, and she's, like, wildly holding, like, some kind of, like, purplish... Like, it's like a, I don't know, like a shawl type thing, like woven intricately around her arms yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's like draped around the shoulder And thing. he's like in the sexy, he's wearing his night clothes in the sexiest way. Like his straps are down, his shirt's unbuttoned a little bit. It's like, I noticed that oh. in the lighting when he came to the door and like interrupted her when she was like on the book ladder thing. I want one of those, by the way. Yeah. Uh, those looks so fun. Having a giant library with a moving ladder. Yes, please. Um, but he comes in and like they've got him framed with a candlelight outside the door and he's like standing moodily against the door and he's like, Whoa. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're like, oh and that, okay. and that yeah, that shot I was kinda like, All right, I see it. I get why people like Anthony like have a crush on Anthony. 
Yeah, so that was framed really well. No, so good. But yeah, like I keep like even when they maybe that's why even when they're like, touching on super heavy topics, they're just like literal sparks are flying. Yeah, there was them. one part in episode four where I was like, I'm just gonna file that it was during the hunt when they were arguing about like you looked at me this way and you looked at me this way. <laughs> I saw my notes and like blah blah blah, two attractive people arguing attractively. Like that's just what's happening. <laughs> that's a perfect summary of that, yes. <laughs> like, yes yep. <laughs> these are two very hot people being really attractive next to each other and yelling. Yes. And those scenes, the hunt scenes are much better than the um the cricket your croquet into the into the mud scene. Oh I, yeah, I wanted to. Bring I that ha- that's you, another hot you take. You is didn't that like that I at all. really didn't like that. I didn't like the whole mud scene. I thought it was really stupid and cringy. <laughs> I loved. <laughs> I'll it, probably man. I'll probably get a lot of hate emails for that, but I thought it was really dumb. And, yeah. then, and then they're just like, "Oh no, we fell in the mud, so we have to touch each other now." And I'm just like, "Okay." All I think right. that's what I liked about it specifically is like, I think what I enjoy is the show does not take itself too seriously. And it, the, yes. the show understands that it's a romance show based on these romance novels where these kind of coincidences like have to happen. It's the quintessential, yeah. like, I drop my bag in the hallway and my crush has to help pick up all my books. Like, that's, I don't think that's ever happened to anyone in real life, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. like the same kind of thing that's happening. And so I, I do, I liked it for that reason is that the show just leans into it. They don't pretend like they're above the romance tropes. They just like, you know, what? we're yeah. a fucking romance show. This is Bridgerton. <laughs> we're going to knock their balls into the mud. My bigger problem with that scene, actually, is that we didn't get the post scene where they've come back covered in mud. I wanted that, too. Like that, I was like, like how are they going to explain they, that? Surely they have to get married now. Like, if you both went in, like, what is their explanation for what happened? And they were clearly lying in the mud, as you could tell from the way that it was smeared across their backs. Right. Like, they fully fell flat. It's like... Okay. That was my big. That was my bigger problem with the scene is the scene we didn't get afterwards where they come back covered in mud to have to explain how the fuck that happened without <laughs> them like wrestling in it. Yeah, Which, and they're like, "Oh well, the croquet balls went in there," and it's like, "Okay, right, really, but I, sure." Everything about and that I get too. that it was to set up to show the grave site and and all that, and but also like, come on. That's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was a little drawn out too, but they wanted to have them interact more, which I get. They've got to use up. They do use. They have a very good system for like. There's no. There's there's very limited like wasted scenes, where yeah. I'm just like, oh, they could have cut that out. Like the, the thing with, um, Colin is definitely one of them, but like that's the only one I've come across. This is the same year. It's the only one I've come across too. What are your thoughts on this whole? I like this sequence for two reasons, but mostly because it's a man on the other end of this whole thing. Uh, where? How, what are your thoughts on the trapping cousin Jack? The, oh, I love that debacle so much. in the. I was howling when they had that scene. It's so good, like especially the first scene. I just I put it in the notes because it was so hilarious. I was just like, oh my god, the acting and the the writing of that scene was just, 10, as you said, twelve out of ten funny. It was absolutely amazing. And like the delivery of of, uh, Prudence, where she's like, Cousin Jack didn't look twice at my bosom. (laughs) God. So good. And then she's like, Stop calling him that. Yeah. (laughs) Because it is really gross. (laughs) The mom of Featherington is trying to set her up with her cousin. It's regal, though, Mia. It's regal. (laughs) Did you not listen to Mama Featherington? Look at the royal yes, family. Yes, but it's still gross. It is still gross. It's yeah. I think I think they're at least fourth cousins though, which is better. 
I'm not going to yeah, defend that's it. True. But like, if I'm just being like statistically analytical, that's uh, true. They are they are like removed enough that it wouldn't be it wouldn't it's not as bad as the whole like uh, royal family. That's right. the whole mess. But like, yeah, they're they're fine. Except that now, and I thought that was just played for laughs, but now now Mama Featherington is really fucked it up because. He is actually surprise, surprise, penniless. Right. And his whole plan was to marry uh, Cressida for the money. It's just like, oh my god. Right. So I have a few questions. As about I this said before, thing. just communicate. I get that you don't like each other, but like you've got this whole scheme. Oh my god! Just talk about it, guys. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the Featherington stuff is awesome. The whole the whole sequence of like yeah teaching her how to fan her bosom or like going to the modiste it's like no we're gonna go to the 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 more kind of you know the, the Vienna modiste the new the, fancy modiste the new fancy modiste with the lower chest lines on their dress or whatever it's like okay cool <laughs> right they have this hilarious joke about paying for the modiste once there was a whole plot line about them not paying at the modiste last season which I right. found funny. <laughs> But yeah, everything from the and Prudent, Prud, whoever has acted Prudence is so good as an actress too. Yeah, she comes she's across hilarious. like the most ineloquent, kind of unsocially aware person ever. Right? She laughs yes. at all the wrong times. She talks at all the wrong <laughs> times. Every time Mama Featherington throws something to her, like, "Hey, you were talking about travel." She's like, "Oh, what?" Travel, traveling, traveling. Oh, yes, traveling. That's a word I know. I love traveling. It's like, oh, no, Prudence. Yeah, very it. socially clumsy. Very, But also, like, just super into all the gossipy stuff. Like, once she's once she's trapped with Cousin Jack, she, it takes her, like, ten minutes to realize what's going to happen. And she's like, oh, my God, I'd love to marry you, Cousin Jack. Which just bonkers. But then she, like, is, like, shit with Penelope about it. Like, that's Lady Featherington to you. It's like, okay, Penelope. Or no, okay, Philippa, or whichever one you are, like, Prudence, like, stop, you're lame, I hate you. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that, that knocked her down. I was thoroughly enjoying her, and I was like, ah, she's someone, it'd like, be fun to hang out with for an afternoon, she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But then she starts, like, totally bashing Penelope, and I was like, alright, alright, chill. Yeah, no, that was unnecessary. I, I like that the trap of it all. I like the, the idea that, like, Mama Featherington thinks she's a schemer. And thinks she's like good at this or whatever, and like everything she does just so fucks, bad at it fucks things up so much more. Yeah, and she's so obvious about it too. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous how how bad that is. So good, I I love the Featherington stuff. I know pro- I know a lot of people will probably watch the show going like I want more Kate and Anthony, but I'm I haven't been upset so far that we got the uh, the Featherington stuff. Definitely, because I agree that like they've done a good job with how much of it is in. Like there's not too much. If there were only a few more Featherington scenes, or if they are any longer, I think it would get annoying. But I think there's a great number of Featherington scenes and plot lines, and it's all hilarious. Uh, I think the last thing to kind of chat about uh, it's not even a character thing. I just you have notes about it. I haven't really talked about it in the podcast yet, so this is a good time to bring it up. I call it. I don't want to call it the extracurriculars, as if they're not important. But like the things you don't immediately think about. Directing, writing, editing, cinematography, uh, set design. Script, I guess, yeah. Costumes. Costumes people notice a lot, so does set design. But, like, all of that stuff, how is it working for you? Definitely working very well. Um, it. I had forgotten. I've watched so much stuff since Bridgerton last year that I'd forgotten what it was like. And when I turned on the first episode, like, they had the first establishing montage, and it just looked stunning with all these brightly colored 
carriages and like all the cool outfits and the very obviously visually good looking and like high production value it's just like oh yeah I remember this show it looks so nice it's very visually pleasing to look at and like they totally don't stick with one era and just like do whatever and have all these flamboyantly colored gowns and like Colin had that nice teal suit at one point in episode four um definitely a big fan of the of the costumes and like the cinematography all the shots look really nice um the music is really fun I noticed a couple of fun music things as a music student I'm clued into the music a lot and pretty much everything that I watch yeah um I think the editing is there's nothing glaring in the editing but like there's a couple there's a couple too many over the shoulder shots for like conversations with two people I I just noticed it a couple times and like you don't want to notice the editing right that's Um, true yeah and it's like it's hard to do two people talking back and forth and have it be interesting like shot wise but just having over the shoulder over the shoulder over the shoulder back and forth is a little bit boring to me but they don't do it too much so I feel like they're getting away with it like it's not glaring and again it's not big enough that I would put it in a I don't like this section um but yeah definitely pretty much all of it is really good I'd say what do you think yeah I I'd say the same I'm uh, nothing glaring but nothing that like rocked my socks off like there was right it's not like well I don't know if you saw Dune this year I got to see see it in an IMAX theater actually and it was like the one of the best movie going experiences ever for me it was not like mind-blowing Bridgerton is not mind-blowing it's just like a fun little period rom-com thing so yeah but even even aside from that there are there are other shows that i watch a lot of uh just because you've watched it i'll plug outlander as an example like there's some really like clever shots in outlander where it's like yeah it's not dune but it still like blows me away there's the one scene in paris in like mid-season two where she's entering the room spoilers for outlander by the way if you don't want outlander spoilers um or she's kind of entering the king's kind of room area, and she's gonna have to choose between the uh, Comte Saint Germain and the dude with all the potions or whatever. I can't remember his name. And, right. And there's oh, the, the yeah. overhead shot that. of like the I can't yes. remember what it is, but like the lighting and the way the cross like sits in the middle of the scene or whatever. I was like, oh, this is like it still blew me away, even though it wasn't Dune, right? Right. So with, yeah. With, like there's Dune is like ten out of ten, and like everything is marching back from that i would say and like you don't need to be at a dune level to be like really good shot wise and editing yeah right. definitely that it's, was the and so bridgerton is somewhere amazing. under that where it's like it's good but yeah. there's nothing it's I'm not no- like super noticeable noticeably bad but it's not like oh my god this is amazing yeah they're i'm a little bit disappointed maybe it's because i'm not as in tune to the songs um but the the string covers have just been not as good this year i think or just not quite as timely there's yeah i think the one in episode four was it dancing on my own in episode four was fantastic i think yeah. it's i think it's robin's dancing on my own but there was one before that that i just missed because it was like and i knew the song too but it just wasn't as loud and proud and obvious as the ones from season mm. one i was like that's what that's I interesting because i noticed the first one i think it was episode one where we had all the balls yeah i noticed the first one it was um uh yeah renaissance string cover of material girl which i thought was right, absolutely okay, yeah. hilarious and i only know that because um i have watched too many tiktoks with that oh, it's like right, a standard yeah. tiktok song 
Um, so I recognized, I didn't know what it was until the subtitles told me what it was. They're like strings playing classical rendition of material girl. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I wasn't all that impressed with the arrangements and I wasn't all that impressed with the episode four one either. I don't, I don't know the episode four song. I'm not familiar with it. So like it didn't jump out at me even, but I was just like, eh. Right. So yeah, it's a, so Robin has the song Dancing on My Own, but the most popular version in 2022 is a cover that was done. Um, and I can't remember who it was by, but it was someone on American Idol or Britain's Gone Talent or something. Oh, okay. And if you go on like Spotify and search Dancing on My Own, that'll be the the most viewed or listened to version of it, I think. Um, but that's where I knew it from was actually the cover. So I'm like, getting a third cover here. I'm getting the cover right. of the song that is now a string arrangement. Um yeah, I like that one, but I just like the the ones in season one were like iconic, like Billie Eilish opening up the ball. That was one was so so cool. good. I mean, I'm yeah. always gonna the sex stuff aside, the Taylor Swift Wildest Dreams one was just very <laughs> present, and I was like, I'm in on this cover of Wildest Dreams, like absolutely. Yeah. The the montage just made it that much better, but um, <laughs> right. But this, this season, I'm like, I know these songs, and it, it's fun, but it's not. I don't know if it's the novelty wearing off or if it's just not as well done. But like, ah, that was part of the fun of season one was these song covers. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. It's like not quite as cool. And right. it's also not quite as, maybe they're just not like choosing songs that I like as much. I don't know. But yeah, I will say that as a musician, I think that I would have a hard time like playing a serious string quartet version of like Material Girl. I'm like, I mean, playing anything you can put a, however much seriousness you want into it and you should like try to enjoy everything that you play but just like that's hilarious to me is that like they had to commission a whole string quartet and they're like here's the music you're gonna play a pop song arranged for this and they're like okay right yeah, yeah. at least <laughs> this time pretty... they have the season one then this is how it's gonna look on the screen and then i'd be super into it oh that was cool yeah Perfect. i will say that the subtitles when i was watching season uh episode four were pretty hilarious um it was not when they were playing one of the pop songs they they don't try to name the classical music songs like when they're playing like background dances or like side characters are dancing they'll play standard classical music stuff that i recognize right and the subtitles said pleasant classical tune and I was horrified because it's Vivaldi and it's one of his most famous string quartets. And I was like, no, you can't call Vivaldi a pleasant classical tune. You need to email the, the... That's my hot take for the for the subtitle people. They need to do better. Yeah, the subtitle, whoever the <laughs> subtitle folk are, they need to be. What I like, what I find interesting about subtitles, just on a side note, is that there's always a load of mistakes in all of them for the show. And what I didn't realize is like yes. the subtitles are done based on the script as it was written, not on the dialogue that was actually said. And so oh, I didn't like, know that. there's always, um, I mean, it's probably not true for every show, but in most shows, there's always a, a scene where the subtitles add a the here or there, or like an and or whatever mm. that the actor, when they were performing, it just dropped to make the line sound more realistic or whatever. But it's just clearly like they send the scripts off to the subtitle people way ahead of time and then just like put them on over right. top um but yeah there's lots of times like that where yeah i would also would not expect the average subtitle person who's probably an intern or whatever to know vivaldi so. i mean yeah it's just it's just like a funny side joke for me because i'm a music nerd i'm just like come on it's vivaldi yeah. it's not some pleasant tune right but perfect. it's like the yeah 
pretty funny. All right. It's like the on Disney Plus, the Star Wars subtitles. Or no, it wasn't the subtitles. They have like they have AD for um, audio description for people that are that have uh, are blind or hard of sight, and uh, they have someone that's like narrating the show for you, oh, which cool. is pretty cool. Um, and so I was watching Book of Boba Fett, and like it was clear that whoever did the AD for that was a huge Star Wars nerd because they were just throwing around all this Star Wars jargon. Nice. And I was like, this is hilarious. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. All right. We've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. We're kind of landing the plane perfectly here. We've covered all the characters. We've covered all the, the basic storylines. Um, anything else about this season so far before we talk about kind of what we're hoping for in the last four episodes before we kind of go watch them? I don't think so. I think we've covered everything that I had. Perfect. All right. Well, next four episodes then let's do that what are your what are your hopes and dreams right like there you you know some spoilers i know some spoilers everyone and their mom knows that kate's gonna end up with anthony so it doesn't need to be specific spoiler things but like what which is what are you hoping for more of kate and anthony doing their thing i'm very concerned about the whole um hot mess that anthony's created with randomly not randomly but annoyingly at the end they're proposing to edwina that's gonna that's gonna be unpleasant to get over um i want to see more of lady danbury because she's awesome and kills it in every scene right and i don't know i think i'm pretty happy with how it's going i'm kind of just i don't have like too many expectations i just want to see where they're going to take things and hope that it's satisfying i'm sure it will be satisfying <laughs> i'm sure it will be just looking at the imdb ratings because i i just pulled them up for like the director and the writer and the podcast and everything i'm aware of how the last episodes are rated and they're rated mm. highly so hopefully <laughs> i don't think they'll be like a massive hopefully that's group. a good sign hopefully that's a good sign i think the main things i'm looking for is i want them to be a little more um a little more aggressive with the soundtrack. It was kind of like we just talked about it. Yes, it was the highlight of It was a, the highlight of season one. The scoring is a little more tame this season, which is fine. It's working, but I think they could do a little more with the score to to excite me a little bit. I want to see Eloise do a little more and be a little more. Um, I want Penelope to. I need Penelope to not be as obvious with Lady Whistledown for the rest of it. It's clear at some point somebody's yep. going to find her out, but it's a little too on the nose. Like she's just a little too obvious about that she's Lady Whistledown. If anyone else would just open their eyes a little bit, I am hoping the best for Edwina. Uh, I have no preference for how this story goes, other than I I need I need at least what am I going to say two episodes. I want at least two episodes of Kate and Anthony just like being a thing. So hopefully by the end of episode six, this whole Edwina thing is resolved and Kate and Anthony are just like lovey-dovey and together so that I can have that and enjoy that. Um, that would be nice. That yeah. would be nice. I'm trying to think. I need Mama Bridgerton to like just pick a lane a little bit and to stop. Like she's just she's close, but I need her to like pick a lane a little bit. Mostly, I'm just happy though. I don't have a lot of big hopes and dreams. I, I I have faith that the rest of the I trust the makers of this show. It takes a while for me to trust people when they make a show, but I trust yep, that they leave it. I trust that they leave any loose ends or if something feels a little bit off, it might pay off later. And I just haven't got the payoff yet to retroactively make the thing I'm watching better. So maybe they'll do something with Colin that's fun, and I'll be like, oh, I'm glad we got that Marina scene then. 
if they do this thing later. But... Yeah, that's a good point because, like, typically, if they have a scene, it's there for a reason. So maybe the whole Marina thing will pay off, and maybe Colin coming back at all will have like some bigger plotline down the down the road. I definitely want more of Eloise and more growth from her, and I want Penelope to be. A little less obvious i agree it's a little bit like all right come on we get it like it's like it feels like the it's not to the extent where some shows just assume that the audience is stupid like they bridgerton seems to know its audience and they know that we know that this is just a funny silly little rom-com um period piece and so i and like we know that she's whistled down and they know we know so i feel like they're a little bit hitting us over the head with it right and it's like, come on, you you got this. Be a little more subtle. All right. Well, I think that's it. That's all. Mia, thank you for hopping on this podcast. This was super fun. I hope you had a good time because you were really excited. I had a fantastic time. Thank you for having me on. No worries. No worries at all. We're doing, what did we say we were doing? I think we're doing an instant reaction to the finale together where yes. like before I take any notes or anything, like I just, I just want to, one of the fun things about a season ending is just getting to dump about it and just kind of like letting all the emotions out on the come down. Right, so that'll be yep. fun, and then I think we'll do like like this a season recap at the end after the last deep dive. We'll come back and we'll do like uh, here's now like exactly like this episode, but just for the whole season and kind of how did the last four episodes go and, and all of that stuff. So stay tuned for those. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. That's all. I hope you enjoyed this little kind of bonus behind the scenes kind of episode outside the the normal deep dive. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.